every season, the sitcom would have the very special episode. It was called Walter's Problem. Walter's Problem. So for was it just, was it one part or was it two? It was two parts. It was two parts because he he actually slaps Maude and she has a black eye in the next episode and that's kind of a, a laugh line. She's hiding her eye and like what? Why are you hiding your eye? Oh. And then they see she's got a black eye and there's of course jokes jokes about her black eye. So J- jokes about spousal <laughs> abuse. Yes, which is always good for a laugh. Got to keep keep it light. There you go. It's the SETI BIMCO Show. With your hosts, Harold and Eddie, but they like to be called Tim the Asthmatic and John the Silent Killer. So John, this is the second episode of SETI BIMCO, and your name is John. And your name is Tim. And this podcast is usually about the embarrassment or calamities of high school but we also talk about pop culture from that bygone era. Well, John, you did recover. Well, you you recovered fully from COVID. I uh, yes, I did recover. I got out of the oxygen tent, and uh, yeah, I'm good as new now. I have a feeling That's good. that I had it for about three days before I actually got diagnosed with it, Uh-oh. but I was off those three days, so it wasn't like I was coming into contact with anybody. Good, especially not your mom. Yeah, especially not my mom. And I think basically, I'm really like thinking, I think I could be an agoraphobe. I really could. I really basically right now, ever since this entire pandemic, now we're going on what, almost two years, mm-hmm. I basically am in my apartment and I go to work, which is literally across the street. And I and I work in a grocery store so I can get my food. Mm-hmm. And every three weeks, I get my hair cut and my eyebrows waxed, and I go to the local brew pub. And that's basically my social life right now, and I'm really actually kind of enjoying it. You still hate I, people? I think, no, I, it's not that I don't like people. It's just, I don't know. I just... So, yeah, so I'm, really, I'm fully recovered from the COVID. And how was your week, Tim? What, have you, what, what, what new and exciting things have you been doing this week? I've been out. I have been out walking. I have a a newish dog named Soul, and I have to go for walks, which is fine. I like walks. The only thing that happened was, oh, I have more thoughts about Great Canal Journeys. I talked about that last week. This is a show that Prinella Scales, that's her name, right? Her husband, Tim West, they're both actors. If you're familiar with the show uh, Faulty Towers, she was uh, Mrs. Faulty, or what was her name? Sib- Sybil, Sybil, yes. Sybil Faulty. But they, she has a show with her husband, if, if you haven't listened last week, and they travel on the canals. That's what wealthy people do in England. I'm told from everyone that comes from England, there's still a class system there pretty much in place. I don't know mm-hmm. if you agree, mm-hmm. John. I you've, do agree you've with traveled, that. You've traveled the world. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm happy she's out doing things because she has Alzheimer's. But it's upsetting to watch her travel the, the canals because you have to get out of the boat and go into locks that raise the water to allow the, the boats to go over hills because this used to be a means of transport. So anyway, but I was glad, you know, it's sad that people who have Alzheimer's, you, you just put them away and you visit them once in a while. So it's nice that she can get out and do things. But I also realized there's people filming them that you don't see. It's like a documentary show. So I feel kind of weird that 
she'll be standing by the dock saying, I don't know what to do. And she's got the rope in her hand and she's just supposed to tie up the boat. And she's like, she sometimes is like, I don't know what to do. Tell me what to do. And the people filming her are just filming her. They can't ruin the show and step out and say, here, let me do this anyway. See, I thought this would be a funny bit. I thought you'd be laughing, John. Oh, no, no, it's just, no, it's, no, well, yes, you know, because of course, no. Alzheimer's is hilarious, is a hilarious yes. topic. I didn't mean to bring the show down, but. No, 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 it's fine, it's fine. No, she, no, it's just, um, you're talking about the, it's very similar to up here with the Erie Canal. The right. Erie Canal was like the canals in England were set up to, for commerce. But we filled them That's in. How, we filled those suckers in and said no more. Well, no, now there's still, no, now oh, there. It's you're like the, you're right, John. There is a few. Syracuse, yes. No, there's still like just literally 10 miles up the road from me here. I know. There's Port Byron and Weedsport, which were stops along the Erie Canal. There is a canal um, not too far from my mom's, or a, a lock not too far from my mom's house. In Cayuga, New York, which is the northern mm-hmm. end of the lake right before you get to Seneca Falls, the only thing is about that they're not manned. Like somebody comes two, three times a day to open and close the lock. There's there's mm-hmm. not anybody, there's nobody there 24 7. This so is not England, John. Your, this is not England. This is not England. <laughs> this is not this is not important to us. People don't volunteer to do things for other people. People don't people <laughs> we can't afford, we can't afford. How are we gonna pay for it? <laughs> Anyway, how can Jeff Bezos can go into space for $250 million, <laughs> right. but how are we going to pay for all this stuff, Tim? I don't know how. Um, but I, <clears> rode, <throat> I rode my bike along the Erie Canal when I lived in Syracuse up, up to, where's the town where Frank Oz? Wow. Wow. I had no, um, the man uh, who. Uh, oh, Frank Baum. Yes. He was born in. Chittenango. Chitt- yes. They have a parade there every year to celebrate the Wizard of Oz. And I rode my bike from Syracuse along the canal with a group of, I was a member of the outdoor club and we saw the parade. And I, the, at that time, the, there was, I want to say his name rather than saying one of the munchkins, but the munchkin who sang the lollipop song, he was still alive in like 1990 and I saw him in the parade. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. And they, they have the, uh, the yellow brick road casino there, which I do not think is affiliated with L Frank Baum's family. I don't think they're seeing any money from that. It was a fun, not the funny thing. But I, but I always, like, how many times over the last 20 years have I heard, oh, the last of the munchkins died? Yes. They, they put, like, do you ever notice that? Like, every company, oh, the last of the munchkins died, but then suddenly no. somebody else turns John, up. So, I, think, I think they're all gone, John. Now, maybe they are now. You're happy. Maybe they are now. Maybe they are now. I don't know. Um, I need to back up. I, I meant to say, okay, go ahead. Uh, this, had, this had something to do with soul, our dog. I like to walk now, her. Now, is that Soul S O U L or S O L E? S E O U L. The city. The city. The city. But I get up at six with her to make sure she goes out. She has, she's been very good. And I like to walk her as late as possible, like 10 30. But at 10 o'clock, I have to admit, sometimes since I got up at six, I'm kind of wishing I could go to bed at 10. Mm-hmm. And I just watch. That's why I've been watching Great Canal Journeys because there's no. Nothing. Uh, it's just a soothing show. They're they're wealthy, uh, snooty British people drinking wine in their canal boat. <laughs> in their canal boat, like you do. It's nothing to enrage me. Uh, only a little bit. It's, it's, it's not my country. I don't care. It's not my, which not is my, how we all should live. It's not, not my country. I don't give a damn. <laughs> yes, I'm simply saying the show is soothing, so I can watch it before but I, I go to bed. Prunella's, but I did read in Prunella's Wikipedia biography that. In early 2020, 
it was announced that amid her deteriorating health, mm-hmm. because apparently she has no short-term memory any longer, uh, the two sad. had no choice but to bring her 67-year television career to an end. Yes, well, that's sad. So there will be no new, there will be no new episodes of. Faulty. She did more than Faulty Towers, John. <laughs> oh, I know she did much more. It was a 67-year. Yes. It was a 67-year television career. We're going to talk about a movie. Did you get to watch Mazes and Monsters, John? Okay. I did. Before we get going, let me tell the audience basically what the movie is about. Robbie Wheeling is starting college at a new school after getting kicked out of his old school for obsessively playing mazes and monsters and not doing his schoolwork. But Robbie soon meets a new group of mazes and monsters fanatics and is drawn back into that dark world. I say the dark world, but it's just Dungeons and Dragons. Basically, they're playing Dungeons and Dragons, and I'm going to refer to it as that or we're gonna let's call it what it is yeah so anyway we're not gonna get sued by calling it what it is we hope and it's tom hanks after i looked this up i didn't realize after bosom buddies just after bosom Buddies. mm -hmm, i think it was and he did do another movie that was a slasher flick which i have never heard of i never heard that of it either but again i had never i don't recall this movie and well his friend well the friend he meets, he's from the movie, uh, I should be saying their names. I've got notes, you know. You have notes? Right. He was from My I Bodyguard. Do you remember him? And, meat, and Meatballs. Yes. Uh, Chris, okay. Chris Makepeace, right? Chris Makepeace Chris was Makepeace. in he, he Meatballs. And, in mm-hmm. yep. and Robbie was played by Tom Hanks. Robbie was played by Tom Hanks. And Mr. And David Wallace was on some of your favorite shows, I believe. Did you he, look him up? He was Steve. He was the t- he was the handsome California blonde actor. I don't know if these people got hired for their acting talent. I think he just he was the handsome blonde California actor. He did a lot of soap operas. Yes, Days of Our he Lives. Was of the, and, he was uh, one of the Andy Hardys on General Hospital. <laughs> and General Hospital, yes. So and, this 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 movie is is this not the most kind of white rich kid problem movie? It is kind of a rich... Well, here's the thing, though. It's a it's, problem that wasn't really a p- problem. Right. It was something that was blown out of proportion. I don't know if you read. It was based on a book, which was based on maybe a true story, but the true story was not really true. Exactly. It was written. It was a book written by Rona Jaffe. And I've never read a book by Rona Jaffe, although oh, I have no. heard the name. Really? Because she was a writer for Cosmopolitan. Okay, And, of course, as my mother was getting into her 30s, I don't know if women have midlife crises or my mother was reading Cosmopolitan and she'd leave it in the bathroom and I'd be reading things, you know, like how to find a woman's erogenous zone. So (laughs) when I was 15, I knew how to find a woman's erogenous zone. Never mind that I would never use that information in my life. Well, a handful of times, I okay. just because I wanted to see what all the kids were talking about. I was about to call you out on that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, really, <laughs> isn't that ironic that I, yes. I knew about a woman's erogenous zone by the time I was 15 and never used it to my advantage? No. So anyway, so she wrote this book called Mazes and Monsters, and she basically wrote it in a few days. Right. She was afraid she was someone afraid else would get this story. steal the story. And basically, it is the story of one 
And do I have a James Dallas Egbert? Do I have that name correct? That's what I saw. The third. The third. And I don't want to make fun of him for that because he, he did kill himself. He, he tried to kill himself in the steam tunnels and it didn't work out and he ran away. And I don't know. Uh, I don't know all the I details wish. of what happened. But Okay, well, here's the de- Let me give you the details. You found more than that? Oh, he was a student at Michigan State University. And see, this is where I kind of got confused as to which character he was supposed to be because there's a little bit of him in Robbie. Right. There's a little bit of him in JJ. There's a little bit of him in the missing brother, Hall Jr., mm-hmm. who was just referred to, who's just referred to in the movie because he disappeared without a trace. Right. So what happened was this kid, he was a 16-year-old college freshman at, right. I believe it was, yeah, it was Michigan State University. Mm-hmm. And he d- he did try to commit suicide three times. The first time he did it with quaaludes. He tried to do it with quaaludes. Okay. It didn't work. That's, no. And, you know, I knew, like, I knew the, the, the nickname, one of the nicknames for quaaludes was ludes. Mm-hmm. I just, in my research, I found out another nickname for quaaludes, disco biscuits. Disco biscuits. That. Can you imagine? Hey, Tim, let's go out to the parking lot and get high on <laughs> disco biscuits. Can you imagine? That's, he, he that sounds like, side. wait, that sounds like a, a sexual act also. It does sound like, <laughs> it sounds like, a, maybe that would be disco balls, Tim. I don't know. No, yeah, no, no now you ruined it. You ruined it. No, oh, Dis- did disco, I really? Um, disco biscuits. Disco biscuits. That's a, uh, that could be the name of our next <laughs> podcast. But anyway, so he we shouldn't, we shouldn't he be. Missed. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, go sorry, ahead. sorry, sorry. We're laughing about this no. poor kid. Let's get this no, sad story are. out of the way and move on right. to the. the yes, yeah, so we'll get the sad story out of the way. So the second time he tried to commit suicide with a cyanide mixture. And the third time he put a shotgun to his head. Now that one took. That was yes, the one yes. that did the trick. And yes. again, we're not pleased because we went to high school with somebody who took a shotgun to his head after we had graduated from high school. So we are not joking about that. That, that is no, terrible. no, I know. But, We're just, so anyway, so he was after the first suicide attempt, he had left a suicide note and he went missing for several weeks. Right. And then he, he basically was hanging out at friends houses in East Lansing. And then he got on a bus and went to New York city and eventually wound up in Louisiana where he, had the second suicide attempt and the parents hired this private detective who wound up writing a book about the whole thing. Oh, there's two books. And long, and long story short, he basically the private investor investigator came up with the idea that this kid had the psychotic break because of Dungeons and Dragons. No psychological study, no scientific proof. This kid, his problem mm-hmm. was Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, yes. That was a thing back then. It was a big, like, anti-D&D. It was connected to Satan. It was, uh, there's always got to be a boogeyman for whatever generation. Exactly. It's like the kid who shot up his school because he was watching the video game. Never yeah. mind that 10 million other kids played the video game and did right. not go and shoot up their school. Yeah, so. And actually kind of backfired in their faces because I was also reading in my research where before this got publicized 
D&D, the basic set, was selling about 5,000 copies a month. After the story broke, it was selling 30,000 copies a mm-hmm. month. So right. kind of, there was anti-D&D backlash, but in the end, D&D like, wound up becoming more popular. The Forbidden Fruit Syndrome, I right. don't know what you'd call it. Right. So Ronan Jaffe uh, wrote this book, and they made it. So they made it into this TV so movie this, of the week on CBS. And this this movie was, I would say, a after school special for slightly older kids because it was so sanitized that the parties they had they they mentioned wine. I didn't see any beer. I didn't see any drugs. Uh, what kind of what kind of party is that? I, I ask you too. It was the most boring college. I mean, uh, those kids playing D&D were the most exciting kids there. They were the most exciting. They were the delinquents. Yeah, yeah. And really quite. I am fascinated how alcohol was treated 70s, early 80s, because people didn't know how to talk about it. And it was a two-part Maud episode. Do you remember we talked about this? And the two-part Maud, for those of you who don't know Maud, Maud was a show where Maud was a very liberal woman. And it was a two-parter where... They decide her husband was an alcoholic. God will get you for that, Walter. Yes, but it was treated. Obviously, after the two episodes, he decided, I do have a problem. I'm going to deal with it. And alcohol was solved in about an hour. And he was, when he was drunk, he was like, hey, I'm a party guy. And I think, you know, I remember remember being young and my parents eventually saying, oh, so-and-so, he's getting a divorce. I mean, I guess he's been an alcoholic all this time. And I had seen that guy. He was the type of person who was very stoic. So he he was the type of person who was like, I'm drunk, but I'm going to remain in control. No one's going to know I'm drunk. Mm-hmm. And I bring this up because in the movie, Robbie's parents, Tom Hanks' parents, they're driving him to school and they have the most cliche, I don't remember their conversation, that he's he's like, why are you drinking all the time? And she's like, I drink to deal with uh, life with you. And it's, it's just like... <laughs> I know. The dialogue was so terrible. And then the only other time we see her, they call her up later in the movie because Robbie's missing and she's running to the phone with a wine glass in her, in her hand. And they're like, have you seen Robbie? And she's like, Robbie, do I have a son named Robbie? I'm drinking. <laughs> it was so, that's not what she said. But, his, but, but she his was problem like, was, but anyway. that was not his problem. His problem was that he was playing Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yes, I know. Every parent Can in that I movie. Can I say something about the supporting cast in this movie? Specifically, yes. Robbie's father, Hall Sr., yeah. was played by Lloyd Bochner, who would go on to play. And I know what a huge Dynasty fan you were, Tim. <laughs> oh, wait, maybe that wasn't you. Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. Never mind. You're thinking but of yourself. Played, maybe I was thinking of myself. I should have known I was gay when I, when I had to be in front of the television every Wednesday night at 9, 8 central to watch ABC Dynasty. Wow. But he was Cecil Colby on Dynasty, who Alexis, a.k.a. Joan Collins, wound up marrying. He was in the hospital bed. They had their marriage at, in the hospital bed. Joan Collins is Alexis. Mary Cecil Colby in the hospital bed. As soon as they say, I do, he has a heart attack and dies and she inherits everything. Totally really? plausible. Yeah. Totally plausible. <laughs> so that's how I remember Lloyd. So when I saw well, it, I was like, oh, Cecil, Cecil Colby. And then yeah. JJ's mother was Louise Sorrell, who played uh, wait, Vivian yeah. Alamey on Days of Our Lives. Well, and what, did you see one mother was Anne Francis? I forget whose mother that was. One mother was Anne Francis. From Forbidden was, Planet. From Forbidden Planet. And one's mother was Susan Strasberg. 
we got our facts down. <laughs> Just the, saying, the daughter, this mother, the daughter, that mother. <laughs> the, the daughter of uh, famed acting coach Lee Strasberg, Academy nominee for Best Supporting Actor for The Godfather Part Two. Anyway, they couldn't anyway. afford any, any music for this, this movie. I don't know if you oh, enjoyed hearing that song. Um, those were songs uh, like even Melissa Manchester was like, these are mm, too schmaltzy for me to record. Right. And let's face it, Melissa Manchester recorded some pretty schmaltzy music. And that's all I could think about when I heard it. It was like, and like one was like, I think it was the same song too, because one was like a solo with a woman and then one was like a duet with the man and the well, woman. Well, in this movie, when you know Tom Hanks goes to this new school, he does see the, the sign for D&D. They need a player. That, that was their main concern. If you, when they showed up for school that year, if you heard them, they were like very concerned. They needed a fourth player for D&D. <laughs> they needed a fourth and player they looked like D&D. totally normal college kids. They didn't look like, you know, D&D players have a certain look to them. I, I don't mean to cast aspersions, but... No, you don't, want to, you don't want to paint with broad strokes, but... No, my point about this was... You know what my point was, John? What was your point, too? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that, that... Oh, they spent... Well, I'm just trying to back up and explain. He went to the school, met these people, and he seemed to instantly fall in love with the, the one lady who actually plays D&D. And the terrible music was used to show us that they fell in love because they didn't have the time or the expertise to write a script where <laughs> we can see they're falling in love. They had to have they a, a musical montage. Yes, musical montage. <laughs> they fell in love jogging and playing D&D. Jogging to the song that Melissa Manchester rejected. <laughs> yes. I left you hanging. So it was, no, no, it was just <laughs> another supporting cast because Marie Hamilton played. I don't know her. Police. You know Murray Hamilton, he played the police chief or the police officer. Remember the very beginning? Yeah, they yeah. had the, the TV reporter in like the god-awful powder blue trench coat with matches. Yes. He was the one was to make amazing. sure we knew that D&D was bad. There was a D&D game that had gone bad right. and somebody he was, was hurt. Mayor. He was the mayor in Jaws. Yes, he was. He was Welcome. the mayor in Jaws. He was the mayor and just as a matter of fact, one of my favorite memes from that social media platform that neither you and I belong to any longer was the mayor in Jaws was the same mayor in Jaws to local elections have consequences. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I There's did not realize North that was the same mayor, the mayor of this town. That was the same actor from Jaws. That was the same. No, the, 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 so, the police officer. The, the police officer. In the opening oh. scene. So he remember the he reporter's lost. trying to get the information out of the 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 reporter's trying to get the information out of him. He's like, I can't say anything. <laughs> he lost his well, job. We haven't, we haven't properly identified the body. He lost his job because of all the shark attacks. He moved to this town, and people he moved to this town became police chief. <laughs> and now D and D is uh, is threatening people's lives. <laughs> Because he ignored it like he ignored the shark. <laughs> All right. He just, well, okay. he's, he's not prepared. He's, 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 just, he's just not prepared for, the, for these positions of responsibility is all I'm saying. So Tom Hanks and Tom Hanks and Wendy Cruson, who has had a, a career, but not like a big, big career, but she's been working all this time, but they fall in love. Tom Hanks tells her that he had a brother who... Had a big party. It was it Halloween? Was it his birthday or something? He had a Halloween a party. Was his birthday. His mother threw the party, and he he ran away, and they never saw him again. And he has dreams about him and guilt that he gave him the money to go oh, to New York. That's right. Gave him the money to go to New York. 
So his brother is in New York living out the deuce. I don't know if you saw, I don't know if you saw that show, but yes, I did. Okay. We think we think so that, that's what he's doing. Anyway, bad joke, <laughs> bad joke, bad joke, Tim. It's okay. Oh, before I forget, Mr. David Wallace, who went on to be on days of our lives. I don't know if you caught this line while they were playing D and D he, so they start playing D D in the caves that are nearby. They do LARPing. Right, the abandoned call mines or whatever, yeah. Do you know what LARPing? It's called LARPing now, John. Do you know what that stands for? I do not know what that stands for. I'm not hip to the logo. Lingo. I don't th- it didn't exist back then. It's live action role playing. That means they'll, they'll do things like write sleep spell on a tennis ball. Mm-hmm. And they'll throw it at a person who's playing, who's dressed up like a Conan or something. And if he gets hit by this sleep tennis ball, he has to fall asleep unless he rolls his dice and does not fall asleep. I don't know if you've ever played D&D, John. I never have. Okay. I don't think I have the attention span for it. It's a lot of work. That's what I'm thinking. That's probably why I never did it. So these these kids. Probably why I've never finished a game of Monopoly. But anyway, go ahead. (laughs) These kids are all in their late 20s. They go to the caves to play live action D&D. Uh, before they go there, it's like, we're going, what were they called? I forget what they were called. They are called the, the, the something caves, caverns, the peak skill caverns or something. Do you remember? Something it, like that. I don't remember. All I remember is that they were like it, abandoned. It doesn't I matter. I they were abandoned. Maybe I'm incorrect. But one kid is like, you mean where those kids disappeared and they never found them? They're like, yeah, mm-hmm. we're going to go hang out there. Maybe we'll find some dead bodies. So they start playing that game and he has a mental break and he thinks there's a real demon and they have some cool special effects with a man dressed in a rubber suit as a uh, dragon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they borrowed and, that from the Godzilla people, but anyway. Right. <laughs> he, uh, he then gets told by his spiritual, spiritual guide in his dream world that he should not be having sex with his girlfriend, who he bought a double bed for, which I thought, also thought was odd. When you're in college, you sleep over in the dorm. I mean, did you ever care if it was a double bed or... He's like, not buys. Real, not really, no, you just kind of made Again. room or wealthy people. Chris, problems. I, don't remember, I don't remember people actually staying the whole night either, but that's maybe right. that was just my experience. Yeah. John. Like I never remember waking up in the morning with afterglow. That's all I'm saying. I'd wake up in the with... morning to just me in the bed. <laughs> I, but maybe that was just me. I don't know. Maybe it was just you. <laughs> yeah. So he buys it. Yeah. He buys it. Yeah. So there. Yeah. <laughs> but there, there, and then, um, then he goes off I'm, to New York. Well, no, a few things happen. Um, he, he sticks around for a while and they're just like, isn't he, he's being kind of odd. They don't really, I don't even know what he was taking in school. He, he just had piles of books. I don't know either. But, the, but, the one kid, the, the blonde kid wanted to be a computer or game designer. I, um, and his parents wouldn't let him and he would be, he would be rich today. He probably would. Maybe he didn't listen to him. Come that was, a, that was the same listen. kid. I don't know if you caught this line, that same kid who, came from that well they're all from a wealthy families the blonde kid david wallace what was his character's name uh, anyway daniel he rode his bike to the caverns daniel daniel he wrote rode his bike to the caverns and tom hakes his ex-girlfriend followed him there it's like what what are you doing in the caverns and they almost got lost and he says well i really want to find where the treasure is that's in our game i was going to cheat and then he says my dad would be really proud of me if i 
if I found the treasure, <laughs> like what, yeah. the imaginary treasure in your imaginary, imaginary game. Like, that's my boy. <laughs> You're fine. That's my boy. Fine. You go ahead and be a game designer. I am so proud of you finding <laughs> a worthless imaginary treasure. <laughs> but then Tom Hanks does disappear. And this is my favorite part of the movie, which I wish, I wish were a whole movie in itself. But Tom Hanks goes to New York City to, uh, why did he go there? Oh, it's a big reveal. It's a, it's a sad reveal. We'll get to it. He thinks he's in the game. He goes to New York and he stabs uh, some kid who's trying to uh, mug him. Because, of course, mm-hmm. as soon as he walks around New York City, he gets mugged. That's, uh... he gets, like, every, <laughs> you get off the bus of the Port Authority. You go get yourself a soft pretzel from a street vendor and then you get mugged. That part of the movie I kind of liked. He was you know, seeing people in, in the alleyway as monsters and stabbing them. And uh, coming out of his haze just long enough to call his friends and let them know he's in New York. And then he went right back to thinking he was a, a holy man on a quest. Mm-hmm. Then what does he find? What do we realize he's looking for, John? I've forgotten this. For, oh, what is he looking for? Do I have this? No, no. Well, it's the sad thing. When I saw it, I was like, ah, oh, the Twin Towers. Yes. Okay. I was going to say, because he thinks that they're the two towers. Yes. And actually, I wanted to comment on that because, you know, so after 9-11, so many places or so many movies were like, well, maybe there's I think Men in Black 2 or 3 was coming out and they edited oh, yeah. out a scene on the Twin Towers. Oh, it was Spider-Man, talking. the first Spider-Man. The Spider-Man, yeah. Oh, that's what he was going to do. The and, and then maybe it was they were going to go back and like edit out the Twin Towers out of this. And you yeah. can never, you can never find the King Kong version with Jessica Lange where they go to right, the right. Twin Towers. But so it's just it was, like, why would you erase it? You know, I mean, I'm glad that the, I'm glad that we could still see that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I I'd forgotten it when he it had a different meaning now when they he looked up and I knew in my head I was like, oh, the twin. Well, they said the t- two towers from. Tolkien, they mentioned right. that. And I realized, yes. oh, the Twin Towers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a little bit of a different meaning. I'm like, oh, it's the Twin Towers. Yeah. It sh- and then he should have found much easier something. because when they were here, and I was living here, they were here, you could just see them wherever. Mm-hmm. And that's how I knew oh, yeah. downtown, uptown. If you're getting closer to the towers and you mean to be going up to Midtown, you're going in the wrong direction. Yes. There you go. All these kids would have been better off if they had just done a bunch of drugs, John. That's, I think that's I the think message so. of this movie. <laughs> that is the message of the movie. Just don't but, play role games. Just do drugs when you're in college. Just, just do drugs. Have sex in a single bed. And how lax was... Around till the, don't, st- don't stick around till the morning. And, oh, maybe that was just me. We've established that, haven't we? Um, and but then secur- yeah. security was very lax back then in the Twin Towers. Oh, yeah. Of course, back then you could smoke in a hospital, too. But, you know, I mean, <laughs> but he he well, first of all, they went up the uh, right. <laughs> when I was in Europe, we talked about this last time. But I went I went traveling around Europe and the Euro pass. Mm-hmm. And I, I went with a friend and he on the train started to have stomach pains and so we went right to the hospital when we got off the train because he was just having terrible terrible pains anyway we <laughs> went we went to the hospital and all the doctors like had a cigarette hanging off their, <laughs> their hanging little, off their scalpel scalpel <laughs> clamp but uh luckily well not luckily but he had to pass kidney stones in france that was why his uh gut hurt which i've never experienced that that pain so that, that would be a great that would be a great title for an alternative novel, Passing Kidney Stones in France. <laughs> an experience. 
an experience. Yes, it was. But to get back to, I, they ran up and down the escalator at the World Trade Center twice. And mm-hmm. it was two different scenes. And I don't, don't know if you noticed, but it was the same extras doing the scene again. It wasn't the same scene, but it was the same extras. Same extras. Yeah, they ran up the escalator two different times searching for Tom Hanks, Robbie. And I saw the same extras doing their... Right. Well, because so, I, do you remember how expensive it was to ride the elevators in the in the World Trade Center? They were very expensive, those elevators. Oh. So, yeah, you would have to use the escalator. I never went up. And, and B... Or is this a joke? Are you telling me a joke? No, they were expensive. <laughs> they were expensive. I think, they were, I think it was like $12 to get on the elevator in like 1980. John, no one will... No one will step on a joke like I can step on a joke. That's all right. Don't worry about it, Tim. It was, there, there was there was there was truth <laughs> in the joke. It's it's funny because it's true. The elevator was expensive, but I really liked the little the little bathroom in the elevator. It was really nice. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. No, but here's the thing. So like a TV, having done extra work in TV movies, they probably film that TV movie in about ten days. Maybe. 10 days to two weeks. Mm-hmm. And that's because they were cheap. And that's why the networks used to do them back when they were cheap. They could fill yes. airtime. They were produced in-house. They didn't have to buy the right. Well, they had to buy the rates from Rona Javi. But hell, she only wrote the book in a couple days. How much was she asking for the movie rates? Probably nothing. Right. Um, so, yeah. So they filmed those scenes on the same day. So why would you hire a whole bunch of other extras? When you're just right. paying them, oh, I know. Basic, basically, working as an extra, you basically made a minimum wage, and yeah. I'm talking about like when minimum wage is like three dollars and thirty five cents an hour. You were in an episode of Nine Hundred Two One Zero. Is that what you told me once? Dawson's Creek. You were in Dawson's Creek. All right, we'll I look did, that up. I was. A, well, I did a couple things. I mean, it's like. I don't know what I was supposed to be. I mean, it's not like they gave me a character. And like, I didn't go up to the director and go, okay, what's my motivation <laughs> to be standing behind Joshua Jackson with the books <laughs> in my hands? Like, where's my character coming? What's the biography? They're like, just shut up and stand at the lock. I know. And you're talking to that person next to you. We didn't really get into character development. No. So I'm not sure. Did you, did Matt you talk? Lock. Did you talk not saying anything when you had to be in the background? Did you just pretend you to just talk? Sort of, you make motions and your mouth moves. And you, right, know, you really right. can't like talk, talk, because it'll get picked up by the mic. Right. That's what there's, I assume. It's a, it's a, there's an art to being an extra. Yeah. There is an I, I mean, I don't idea. doubt you. Yeah, there really is. So, uh, really, yeah, so, but it was, I did it mostly for the fun. At any rate, Tom Hanks, because their security is uh, nil, he gets to the top mm-hmm. of the Trade Center. I mean, the top where there's just a little fence that you could sit on and he's uh, like no security fence up there whatsoever. And right. he's going to jump off because he's going to fly. I'm, I'm still not sure in his fantasy world what he thought was going to happen, but. I believe we, he thought because he had the spell. Right. He thought he had the spell where he could fly. I still, yeah, I don't know if he was going to. I believe how it was explained. If he was going to find his missing brother or what, but. I don't. I don't know. Do we Which, want? Do we want to keep going on, or do we want the listeners to actually sit and watch Mazes and Monsters? They and can watch the it if they want. It's for free. We are going to give the ending. Okay. Okay. I just. Oh no! Sure. I. Oh, we're giving the ending away. Oh, good. Which, which? Which? But the fact that his brother ran away, and we never saw him again, reminded me of a conversation I had with you, our friend's neighbor, and I didn't know this. You said when he got old enough, he joined the army left home and his parents never saw him again. 
army. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, well, we, I don't know if it was that he joined the army. I think he just disappeared. He just literally disappeared. I thought he said he was going to join the army. Bruce, Bruce, oh. Bruce, if you're I, hearing this. I can't remember if the name. I can't believe you remember these names. I just, yeah. I, well, Martha, it was Martha. Mar- His, do you remember Mar- Do you remember Martha? I I remember them because I fell in that creek. At this, this there was a creek behind these people's house. That's right. It had That's a concrete right. wall because it would have taken away mm-hmm. the house. I fell in it at four years old, and mm-hmm. this neighbor you're talking about, he lifted me out. He was like a big guy, right? Right. Yeah. That he lifted husband lifted me out of the creek. Nice guy who beat his wife and kids, but which may be Ooh. part of the reason why Bru- which may be part of the reason why Brucey. Okay, now we have Brucey to blank all the names from this. <laughs> From this conversation. Well, first of all, first of all, Henry and Martha are are no longer with us. I know. Well, they may have relatives. And Brucey, if you're Brucey, if you're listening to this, please come back. Oh, (laughs) jeez. Now I I gotta keep this. (laughs) I know it's been 50 years, but please come back. But the the fact that story sounded so unreal, and I was like, but I know we know people that happened to. They just we know people that happened to that disappeared. They just disappeared so, into the air. But Tom Hanks' friends, they save him by pretending to be in the game, right? Mm-hmm. They, they call him by his character name. Oh, I forget. He's not forget. responding to Robbie. Oh, his you name know, was... Gribble was the monster he thought he slayed. His name was Frederick? I, or Fred, Frederick? Cedric? Pardue, Pardue. Oh, Pardue? Wow, that was close. Pardue. Pardue, Pardue <laughs> was his name. His which name? I believe is French is... Which is French you, for of God or for God. I thought they were slipping in some advertising for chickens. But I'm bummed. But I'm bummed. Yeah. Then there was that other, there was the other product placement because they lured him away from the edge of the World Trade Center with Reese's Pieces. Remember that? Oh, yes. So Reese's Pieces. They lured him away. Before, before, yeah. Okay. You want to know the reason why I think I forgot, why? I don't think I ever saw this movie when it first aired because it first aired on December 28th, 1982. And like, I don't know, it's just not exactly what you'd call a holiday themed movie. It was on a, t- it was a Tuesday night, a Tuesday night. Why was I watching it? I looked this up because I knew you would ask. <laughs> so it was a Tuesday night, Christmas break. Really? This was Christmas break. I don't remember. It was that. December 28th. It says I, release date, December 28th, wow. 1982. Who would be watching this movie? Well, know, I was watching it Christmas. mostly because I must have seen an ad and I'm like, really? They're making a movie I've about see this movie. D&D? Because I knew, I knew it was about D&D. And I was like, really? They're, you know, I, I, I knew about D&D. I tried to play mm-hmm. and I was like, this is a lot of work. <laughs> this is a lot of work. <laughs> Want to tell what we, we save... We save Tom Hanks with the Reese pieces, and um, then we shift to like three months later. Is it three months later? And he thinks he's at the inn, but where is as it? his character? He's at his parents' estate, and they like you do. Yes, like you know, you and I. We used to go back to our parents' estates all the time. You yeah. know, remember, remember that. Mm-hmm. Thing? We, but his mom, his mom is not drinking. They make a point of that. They make a point of saying that because it was not, but of course, you know, the, her drinking wasn't the reason why he was the way he is. It was the Dungeons and Dragons, Tim. We've already established it. <laughs> I know. The parents had no accountability in this. It was the role-playing game. And then the three of them. And his father's anger. That had nothing to do with it. His fa- father's the innkeeper. <laughs> and the three of them visit Robbie. And they decide, and, but they still have to address him as the, because he's still, th- he, he, he does not, he's had the psychotic break. Yes. Totally based on 
Well, totally because of the, the there's game. no underlying medical condition here. It's because of the role-playing game. Mm-hmm. I'm being sarcastic, of course. We know. And then they decide to play the game just one last time. Well, because he won't which talk I guess, to them as a friend. He keeps mentioning the game. Yes. Right. So they will so they will play the game one last time. So I guess that means that they've realized the the the, the, the error of their ways and they are never going to play Dungeons <laughs> and Dragons again. Because look what it did to our friend. Yes. That was actually a well, that was like an after school special ending, I guess. It really was. If you was were it a prime time, was it you, was it a prime time movie though? Was no, it something they showed it, like at night? It was, but I'm I'm uh, felt like it felt like a after school special. An after school special based on a book that somebody wrote in a couple days. In a couple days. <laughs> so now's the time of the show when John will surprise me because we're gonna we're gonna visit the past. Last week I told you my embarrassing story about wearing my Hulk pajama shirt to seventh grade and my uh, sleep problems. And this week, John's going to tell me, and all of us, his embarrassing high school story. My embarrassing high school story happened in Sweden. Well, set well, it up for us, because you were in high school with me, and your senior I was in year, high our, you our, our senior year, sorry, I'm talking over you, took off. You hated I took, us. I just left. I just disappeared one day, like called Junior in <laughs> Mazes and Monsters. So I went to uh, Sweden for a year okay. as an exchange student. I, I was at our high school. Now, John, let me ask you one thing, and you don't need to go down a big, long road. Mm-hmm. What did you have to do to be an exchange student? It never even occurred to me to be one, and you were smart enough to be like, hey. What oh, was it, it? Had nothing to do with, it had nothing to do with brains. It well, no, I, I want to know who you paid. Who did you pay? <laughs> I, did, I paid no one. <laughs> nobody, basically, I became an exchange student because nobody else applied that year. Ah, see, you fill that an application. It is that, that easy. There, it's that easy. Just find something that nobody else has applied for. Oh, man. Like if you want to go, kids, you want to go to college, look for some obscure scholarship that nobody knows about and apply for it. And they'll yes. be like, well, let's look at the list of our finalists. Oh, we have a list of finalists of one. We'll give it to him or her. Great. So I applied with the Rotary Club, had an interview. You had this interview with, I remember it was like a couple people from Rotary and a couple of the exchange, like a couple of Americans who were exchange students and a couple of the current exchange students who like, I remember her name, how I remember this, her name was Carolina Van Dorsen and she oh. was from the Netherlands and she was at one of the high schools around us. Okay. And so I had this interview and then they come back to you and then you pick three countries that you would like to study in mm-hmm. and they say yay or nay. And they said yay to me. Wow. So I was I was in high school with Tim for I moved to our 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 little town, as the Simon and Garfunkel song says, <laughs> when I was 15 years old. It was actually the town where my grandfather was born and raised. Wow. Yeah, that's we didn't just pick it randomly on the map, Tim. You're full <laughs> of history, John. It's full of history. It's like, John, throw a dart at the map, and wherever it lands, that's where we're going to move. It didn't work out that way. No, we had family there. And then one day I got on a plane for Copenhagen and then got on a little commuter flight to, to Sweden, and I stayed in Sweden for a year. And I lived in a very small town, maybe about 10,000 people, 
name of the town was Lisesheel. The thing I liked the most about my year in Sweden was I was in this really small town and the closest American, because we would meet up as exchange students, either through rotary functions or events or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the closest Americans were like 50 kilometers from where I was. And some of them were in the same high school in Sweden. So it was just me. It was just me with all these Swedes and a couple other foreigners because there was an oil refinery just outside town. So there was a there was a bit of an international community there. But it forced me to learn the language. You didn't know it at all? It, I have some Norwegian relatives. And the difference between Norwegian and Swedish is, and I'm oversimplifying here, they're two different languages. But it's basically almost the difference between British and American English. Okay. If you can understand one, the other one is mutual mutually intelligible is what I believe the correct linguistic term is. Okay. And we got Norwegian television. So we actually had three channels instead of just the two that were in Sweden. And we went over this last week. And we went over this last week. I'm sorry. I'm repeating myself. I know. In case you didn't, in case you did not tune into our show last week. So I, I basically my the point to this is is that I got really I wanted to immerse myself and I know it sounds corny and I know it sounds cliched, but I really wanted to immerse myself in this country in this culture, and just learn everything. So any opportunity I would have to do something, I would I got chosen to go to the Nobel Prizes Whoa. in 1983. What just a watch? William Gold. Just like a thing yes. like it. I, did, I didn't go up on stage and accept one. No, if that's what you're asking. No, they, they literally put no. me. No, I was literally in the last row. Oh like, yeah, it was like a wall behind me in the great hall. The king and the queen were on the stage, and William Golding, really? who wrote Lord of the Flies, got the prize what? for literature that year. Were you, did they serve he was, you drinks? They did not serve us drinks, but and again. The, the embarrassing story is that yes, let's get going. People started to think that I was a <laughs> communist. We went to this place, all of us who got chosen. Uh, somebody took us to this place. It was called the Red Room, and yes, okay. they mean red as in commie red. It had all right. this beautiful red wallpaper. Everything was in red, so it was both literally and figuratively red. Wait, who? Wait, you got to back up. Who took you here? Just we, I don't know. Somebody had heard about it. One of the other exchange students that got chosen to go to only fourteen okay. of us in the whole country out of three hundred and fifty exchange out of three hundred and fifty Rotary exchange students. Fourteen of us, two from each Rotary district in Sweden, got chosen to go to the. It so was you were a lottery drawing. You were there with other American students. I was there with other American students, other Rotary nice. exchange okay. students. Okay. Yeah. They, All right. There were three hundred fifty of us. It was literally a lottery. They picked names out of a hat, literally. Okay. And they just happened to pick my name. Great. Nothing, nothing. I was not, you know, they did not think I was going to win a Nobel Prize. No. They did. They just picked my name out of a hat. Okay. And I got to go and they put me up. I had to pay for the train to get to Stockholm. And so I, so we went to the Red Room. That's where we got, that's where we got our drink on later, <laughs> among other things. <laughs> So, you know, it was like, and that was like a big deal because it was, you know, this was the height of the Soviet Union and Reagan was president and the evil empire and everything. And while I was over there, I turned 18 and a letter came into the mail back home from selective. Do they still do selective service? Do you still have to register for selective service when you turn 18? I don't know that, but I. Do you recall this though? Yes, I do. I do remember it. It wasn't the draft. 
No, you it just had just to sign up. It was just a list of names they could draw from if we went to war. Totally different. Yes. <laughs> totally nothing, nothing like the draft. Just change the name. Uh, you know, so anyway, so this letter comes in. Of course, my mother opens it because it's from Selective Service and this is addressed to me. And it's telling me all these terrible things, like a year in prison and a $10,000 fine. I right. do not register for a selective service. So my mother's thinking that, I don't know, a federal agent is going to arrest me the second I set foot at JFK. I don't know what she was thinking. So she's like, since this letter was this frantic, say, you have to fill this out immediately or you're going to be in trouble with the U.S. government. She's like, why can't John get gay pirate comics like uh, that nice Tim why boy? Why can't he just get gay pirate comics? <laughs> So, so keeping in mind, I'm like, okay, so the government, I don't know, the government is keeping tabs on me. I don't know. So anyway, May Day is a big holiday in Sweden, actually most of the world. Yeah. It's the workers' holiday. And a lot of socialist countries, and Sweden was a socialist country. A lot of countries, it's a, it's a national holiday. You have off from work, you have off from school. There's a huge celebration. We danced around a maypole with flowers. Did you? The Russians, oh, sure, yeah. Okay. I, immersing myself immersing myself in the culture, Tim. I'm I didn't know. And I'm dancing around. Hmm. So there were five political parties in Sweden. Okay. And, and the two biggest parties were the Social Democrats and the Moderates. But neither party could ever get a majority in the Riksdag, which is the Swedish parliament. So they had to form coalition governments. So at the time, it was a coalition government between the Social Democrats and the Communists. They were in charge of Sweden. And being the workers' holiday, and, and as I said, we would dance around the Maypole with flowers. The Russians, you know, would bring out missiles and send them through Red Square <laughs> and Moscow. You know, we were, we were a little more peace-loving in Sweden. Yes. But part of the deal was also that each of the five political parties, there were five political parties, each of them would have a parade, like a makeshift parade through town. Mm -hmm. And all the supporters of that party would follow the parade through town and go to the town square. And there'd be a few speakers, like the leaders of the local party. And, you know, and everybody would be, yeah, yeah. And, you know, so there's this much. So, and, you know, we had a few drinks. Right. So there's this parade going through. I'm like, you know, I'm going to follow a parade. And I see my English teacher from the school in the mm -hmm. parade. I'm like, I'm going to follow this parade. So I'm just like, and you know, they, you know we're all, we've all got a few drinks in us. So, we, you know, we got arms around each other. And da, 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 da. We're marching and we're <laughs> marching. We get to the town square. And I realize I've been in the parade with the communists. <laughs> so now and, you're, and you didn't know your teacher was a communist? Well, now I do. She was my English teacher. Why wasn't she the Russian teacher if she was a communist? Why would she be teaching English? She should be teaching. Wouldn't that make sense, you'd think? I don't know. They're everywhere, John. Meanwhile, her husband's working on an oil rig three, well, three weeks of the month, making gobs of money on the oil rigs off the coast of Norway. All right. So and you're communist? So like, you know, the, you know, the communists are going to come after your money if they take over. But, you know, anyway. So Jay, Jay Edgar has a, has a file on you. So, they got, they, they, so I'm thinking they've got this thick file on me. And I was still in the town for like about three more months. And like people would, you know, now he's like, come up to me and go, hey, comrade, how are you? You know, but just like <laughs> kind of give me wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Like, oh, look, there's the American who's the communist. 
And people in school would come to me and go, we really? didn't know you were a communist. We didn't know what? you were an American communist. I'm like, did but, you not ever see the crucible? That was based on the... But did the they care? Witches. Were they just like, eh, you're a communist. I didn't no, know they you. didn't care. Because like communist wasn't a... <laughs> It was. There was no way they were going to take over. They just needed their votes in Parliament to have a. To wow. have a. They didn't think of know. it that way. They didn't they, think of it did that they, way. As a matter of fact, that that was about the time that the Soviet submarine ran aground, about a kilometer from the main naval base in Sweden. That tells you something about the security in Sweden. But <laughs> I don't remember that. But and, and then it was so funny because then the Swedes had to act like they didn't see it. So it's just like, oh, what? let's not say anything for a day, and maybe they can get the sub off the rocks, and they'll just go back to the Soviet Union. And they couldn't get up, so then they had to acknowledge, and they're like, oh, geez, what do we do now? <laughs> we have to acknowledge that you have, you know, you have well, this, this teacher on our sovereign waters. Was this teacher a so, yeah, man or a woman? It was a woman. And did she know you were at the parade? I mean, she did saw she... me at the parade, and she was much nicer to me after that. I got to admit, like, she wasn't really very... Wow. Not that she wasn't nice to me, but she wasn't very warm and fuzzy to me. And now I know why, because she because she was a communist and I was a I was a red blooded American boy. And and any of those we know how evil those communists (laughs) are, those vodka snorting communists. And then after that, she got very friendly with me. Hmm. She thought I was a communist. So, so then, so then, the next, so you're like, well, they know that I need to. So now, now they know I need to 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 to, to register for selective service. Now they're going to pick me up at Kennedy when they take me into the room and ask me why I'm a communist. Uh, I see. Somebody this all comes together. Watching. So somebody is watching me. Your mom did not mail you. Uh, you're up. She did. Okay, I missed that frantic, part. With a frantic note, fill this out immediately. <laughs> I missed that. In my mind, because I am because I, did, I am neither a going to pay a ten thousand dollar fine nor <laughs> b visit you in prison for a year. Right. In my mind, I'm, even though I logically know it's not true, I, I picture your mom calling on the cell phone, like and saying, "You got to right. sign this. I'm going to email it to you. Make sure you sign this." Oh no! This was 1983, 1984. I know there were no cell phones. I know. There was no email. Oh my gosh! No, no. And it's so funny you say that because I was talking about this to somebody the other day. I'm thinking, what a difference! What a different experience it must be to be an exchange student today, where I could, for example, Zoom you, mm-hmm. or call oh. on the cell phone, or send you an email. It's terrible. I think you had much more fun. It's, I'm sure we we uh, it was much more fun. It was much more for the isolation, which I know sounds kind of strange. It was a lot more. Well, no, you didn't have to zoom your mom it, if you were out it, you, drinking. I basically underage. relied on the mail. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. It sounds like exactly. you're allowed to drink. I know European countries drinking is not. It's like you could I, drink. You could drink beer at 18 in Sweden, and I was yeah. 18. Yeah. So. You had to be 20 to drink liquor, but you had you were you, you could drink beer at 18, and I was drinking beer when I was 18. Hmm. Well, and I was a communist. And you're a communist. I'm surprised. I was, I was an 18-year-old, legal beer-drinking, communist, American Swede. I can't believe that wasn't in the paper when you came back. It should have been in the I should have written a note to the Rotary Club. Dear Rotary Club. Because <laughs> every once in a while, I'd write letters, and they'd, then they'd like publish them in the, in, the, in the local paper. Right. And I should have, dear Rotary Club, I've become a communist. <laughs> I have photographic evidence to prove it. I delivered that paper. I'm surprised you I didn't deli- see that. Story. Oh yes, yes. Of course, it must you, you remember that. Delivered sound off. Remember sound you off. Know, 
Oh, yeah. Somebody has to. And it's like, who's somebody? <laughs> somebody has to do something about these potholes. It's like, well, who's that somebody? When I saw Silence of the Lambs later in life, it gave me a, a flashback to newspaper delivery because the street I delivered on was semi-okay and semi-poor. I'm not, I'm not making fun of uh, poverty, but one house this is I... What it, this is what it is. One house I delivered to was not a house, I would say, was po- impoverished, but one man lived upstairs, renting upstairs of a house. We lived in a small town, not like brownstones. I was collecting money. He was watching TV. He told me to come in. He went behind a curtain and uh, disturbingly long amount of time <laughs> even while this was happening no attention to the man behind the curtain did he say that <laughs> no yes he didn't say that. i just heard funny noises back there. but at the time this was happening i was like what is he doing back there i feel like i should just leave maybe it was a long time but right. finally if it was a movie there'd be suspenseful music and finally he came right. out gave me his money and another house i delivered to had a a big big window bay window and piled in that window for anyone to see who came to his door, a pile of Playboys. So wow. I, was, I was unsure when I saw that. I'm like, so you want people to know you're reading Playboy? Or who, who are you telling this to? I, the paper boy, the mailman? I just man? read it for the articles. That's what, that was his fault. <laughs> He's like, I just read it for the articles. He gave me a funny feeling too. But anyway, I'm interrupting on your story, John. <laughs> I think sometimes the rabbit holes make it more entertaining because it's sure. a very, very short story. But I ramrodded right you over know, your I, communist story. I, I now got, we know, we know you're a communist It's on tape. It's on a podcast. You, you know, I'm a, have you, are you now, or have you ever been, <laughs> been a member? And I can say, and I can say for about 10 minutes, on May 1st, <laughs> 1984. Yes. Yes, you were, I was. When you were drunk. I am 18. not pleading. I am not pleading the fifth before HUAC. The House Un-American Activities Committee. Have you, are you or have you ever been? And I can say yes for 10 minutes on May 1st, 1980. Damn it. Yes, in fact, I was a communist. All right. Well, I may have to find another host uh, next week. <laughs> because, boy, we don't want this getting out. Right. He believes in socialized <laughs> medicine and he was a communist for 10 minutes in May of 1984. I don't know if we can be. Did, did you go to the hospital know. while you were there? I did. I was going to actually, I was going to mention that to you. I had to, I, I had sprained my ankle and I had to go to the hospital uh-huh. and I said, what do I pay you? There was like a, the equivalent of $5 processing fee. Wait, wait, you said, what do I have to pay you? And all, all of them opened their mouths and their cigarettes fell out. Right. <laughs> actually, there weren't a lot of smokers <laughs> in Sweden, right. but no, um, all their cigarettes fell out. They're like in what? surprise. Scalpel clamp. Um, they, uh, um, they looked at me like pay. I'm like, yes. How much money do I money? I think maybe they were jerking my chain too, because they, they, I think they probably knew about the American yeah. healthcare. So, but they just looked at me with this glaze. They were looking like, why is he trying to give us money for medical care? But I'm wondering okay. what, what we are going to, uh, what's our homework for next week? It's your, you, you were gonna, I was thinking of how about exorcist to the heretic? The Exorcist to this day still scares the bejesus out of me. So we're not watching that one. 48 years later, still to this day, like just the camera going up the stairs and the tubular bells by Mike Oldfield. Mm -hmm. And yet the sequel, 
with a wonderful cast like Louise Fletcher and Richard Burton and James Earl Jones and Sven Sydow is the most unintentionally hilarious movie okay. sequel ever made. <laughs> and is this You know easy? they did not mean for this to be funny, but it right. is just... It's so bad, it's good. Is it... Who directed Mazes it? and Monsters bad so good? No. No. But... Who did direct that? I don't think it was Friedkin. Friedkin did the William Friedkin did the original, and I don't think it was he who you, did the. Can ask our can our producer please uh, get back with us with uh, yeah get back. please get back who did our produce, producer who uh, where is she where's our producer this is your producer Miss Lee the director of The Exorcist Two is John Borman oh John Borman directed it. Oh, no, we can't make fun of John Borman, but we'll laugh about it. We'll laugh about it anyway. You know, you can't hit him all out of the park, but he did. He Deliverance, did. Deliverance. Excalibur, yeah. Excalibur, which was one of my favorite movies. Right. At that time. And Zordoff. Zordos. Didn't he do uh, Zordos? Zardos and, Zardos. And, and Hope and, Hope and Glory. All right, John. Real, uh, yes. I've never seen this. So I am mildly well, excited. Well, fast in your seat. Well, fast in your seat, Bill. <laughs> and you should be able to find it. I don't think people charge to see Exorcist to the Heretic anymore. Unless well, it's like Abba of the movie and you got to watch it dubbed in French again. I'm sorry. You got to find it, John. I will look for it. You know, I should have done that. Oh, you know what's right if here, John? Makes, On Tubi. If it makes a difference. Exorcist to the Heretic. If anyone else out there wants to watch Heretic 2, uh, it's on Tubi. It's on or Tubi. free. We'll, and we'll be talking about it. And if you want to email us, it is setibimco at gmail.com. To our, to, to, to our sailors at sea, that's S as in Sam, E okay. as in Ernest, D as in Delta, D as in Delta. B as in Bob, I as in Icarus, M as in Mom, C as in Communist, communist. O as in Operative, E right. as in... <laughs> He is in uh, as an exorcist to the heritage. And you can follow us on Twitter at Seddy Bim, S-E-D-D-Y-B-I-M. And I'm going to get a Instagram. And I might, if I can find out how to get a voicemail thing up, I'll, I'll set that up. All right, Tim. I, I will see you next week. We'll see you same SETI time, same, same SETI, SETI station. Oh, see what I did there? SETI channel. See what I did there, too? Well, that's how communists talk. That's how communists roll. <laughs> That's how we steal the capitalist pig's idea and make them our own. Seti Binko is a podcast by Tim Hamilton and John Kelly, produced by Miss Lee, music by Tim Hamilton. This has been a Pity Party Lion production. Party Lion, it's a party line.